Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. Where are you from? Where are you from? It's kind of a fun question. Also, for me, it's a terrible question. I absolutely hate that question. And and perhaps part of the reason why is because I don't really know where I'm from so much anymore. Let me explain. I was born in Peoria, Illinois, in like the middle of Illinois. It's like the commercial capital of the world where like all of the marketing for the nation goes through Peoria. It's like the biggest test market for America. Every new restaurant tries a pop-up there before they make it a chain around the rest of the country to see if it'll fly because if it flies in Peoria, it's going to fly everywhere else. But I didn't live there for long because my family then moved to Decatur where I spent a few years in that city in Illinois. And then after that, my family moved us to Mount Zion, another small bedroom community beyond that. So I lived in three places before I graduated high school. But then I went to college and I moved to Lincoln, Illinois for college. And after college, we got married. Tracy and I got married and we we moved up north to Bloomington, Illinois. And we only lived there for a few months before we made the cross-country trek to a little city called Porterville, California. If you've never heard of it, that's fine. (laughs) Because it's, uh, yeah, it's small. It's, yeah, they had some really good Mexican. Anyhow, Porterville, California. We stayed there for just a few months before moving to the Chicagoland area, another cross-country move. We made three moves in the first year of our marriage. From the north side of Chicago, we moved to another little suburb within Chicago after about a year. And then after a year after that, we moved back to Decatur so that I could go back to seminary. And then after Decatur, we moved back up to the Chicagoland area to Naperville. And after we lived in Naperville for about a year and two months, we moved all the way back out west to San Francisco where we lived for almost five years. And then after that, we moved all the way back to the Midwest again to Springfield where we lived for a couple of years. And after that, we moved all the way back to here, Seattle. In the first 40 years, I can now say that, which is really weird. In the first 40 (laughs) years, my birthday was on Friday. I'm now 40. It's weird. In the first 40 years of my life, I've had 17, no, check that, 18 different addresses. 18 addresses in 40 years. Part of that is Tracy's fault, because since we've been married for 17 years, we've had 14 addresses. 14 addresses in 17 years of marriage. Where are you from? I don't know anymore. Look at that map. That's stupid. Right? Look at all those little pin drops all over the place. Thankfully, we never lived in Indiana. Just thankfully. Or in a lot of other states. (laughs) Anyhow, we have now lived in the apartment that we were that we currently reside in, the condo that we currently reside in. We have lived there in two months. It will be the longest address in our married life. 
Two, in two months, we will have the longest held address in our married lives, which is longer than two months. Yes. We, Tracy and I, we are a part of the most transient generation to ever hit the world. The people of our generation, the generations that are behind us, you know, the millennials and Gen Z, and those that are even before us, the boomers, we are a part of the most transient generation the world has ever seen, which is really funny to think about because you think in terms of like American culture, it's like, well, wait a minute, we had settlers. We had settlers. They, they moved from England and then they landed in like New York and then they moved to another place where they settled. They settled. They stopped moving. Right? They moved into New York, and then once they decided that that just wasn't for them, they made their way to different parts of the country where they settled. And they would stay there for a generation before another part of their, their community, their family, would make their way further west. We in Seattle are a part of that move of settlers, and they couldn't go any further west without getting wet. Right? They would, they'd be in the sound. That's just kind of how it works. Right? But we actually, as a people, stand on stolen ground. Right? Like this is the ancient historical place of the Duwamish tribe. And they stayed. They did different here in this place than we have as a people throughout the generations because we have become a transient people that move back and forth all over the place in search of something. We're a transient people that continue to move over and over and over. At the end of last year, Elliot graduated from first grade. I guess it's a graduation sort of deal. She finished first grade, and she had this great class of, she started the school year with like 28 kids in her class, which was really cool, but by the end of the school year, it had dropped down to 21 because so many kids had already started to move outside of the neighborhood, outside of the city, outside of the state, outside of the country. And at the end of the school year, in talking to her teacher, we asked, like, oh, what kids are coming back? And she said, well, about 25% of the kids that are left of that class of 21, they also are not returning back to the school because their families are moving to different parts of the city, different parts of the area, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Transients. We live in the most transient generation, the most transient time than we ever have in the history of the world because we live more nomadic lives than anyone else. Our relationships have changed as a result of this, right? Like, I, I think about my best friend who lives in Bloomington, Illinois. We knew each other in high school. We were roommates throughout college. I officiated his wedding. Like, all of these sorts of things. He was the best man in my wedding. Like, all of these sorts of things. And when we lived in Illinois, we got together again really regularly and frequently. But now, like, I get a text on my birthday. I send him a text on his birthday. We maybe have one or two phone calls throughout the course of the year because our relationship has changed. They've evolved because we are no longer in proximity with one another. We don't think of each other in the same way that we had in the past because 
proximity changes things. We're not in the same area, let alone zip code, as we once were. Our lines of connection have thinned, and we're becoming, as a people, a rootless tree, a rootless people that, that don't sink deep into the soil that is around us, that the roots of who we are don't go very far. They remain at the surface. They're very shallow because we haven't dug in to the soil beneath us. We are a rootless people, a rootless tree. Simone Weil wrote in the 30s in her book, The Need for Roots. She was absolutely brilliant, by the way. She said, uprootedness is by far the most dangerous malady to which human societies are exposed, for it is a self-propagating one. Uprootedness is by far the most dangerous malady to which human societies are exposed. And the reason why is because we do it to ourselves. We choose to uproot our lives and move to a different city. We choose to uproot our lives and move to a different country. We choose to uproot our lives and move to a different neighborhood. We move, we uproot, and it causes a tremendous amount of harm to our spirits, to our souls, to our being. We create this self-propagating pain. And this, this is a, a spiritual issue. This transience that we face is actually a spiritual issue. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, which has one of the most quoted verses in it and also the most uh, inappropriately used verses, we're not going to get to that part. <laughs> it's verse 11, if you're curious, of chapter 29. Here we have the Israelites that have been exiled from Jerusalem. They have been uprooted from where they are, and they have been transitioned into Babylon as an oppressed people underneath a new regime of power and structure and control. And here, these people that have just been uprooted, that have just had everything taken from all of the connections and neighbors and neighborhoods that they had dwelt in, all of the relationships that they had transitioned into this place called Babylon. And here is what God says to them. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. What's really beautiful about this verse and something that the rabbis have looked at for a long time is at the very end, I have carried you into exile. Oftentimes it was understood or oftentimes we understand that as like God uprooted these people and threw them over into Babylon. That God was pulling them out at their seams and then just chuck them over into this new empire that had taken over the Babylonian people. But the rabbis look at it a little bit differently because they see this word carried as a word of love and of tenderness and of hope and of grace that as all 
of the stuff was hitting the fan all around them as the economic and the political experiences of being pulled into exile was happening around them, God was actually carrying them. Carrying them, not forcefully, but tenderly and lovingly and graciously and mercifully. We, on the other hand, don't go into exile as a people. We, we just don't understand what exile means because that's never happened to us because we're the world's superpower, right? We don't get exiled. We don't, we don't find ourselves in that sort of place. And so this idea of like being carried into exile doesn't quite match up for us the same way that it does for the, the Hebrew people, for the Israelites. However, the same principles apply to us in our transience. There's a part of this where God is saying to these people that have been gently and lovingly carried into exile by the hand of God, protected as they made their move there. There's this part to where God says, now what I want you to do here in this place is root. Root yourselves here. Don't pine for there. Don't think about that other place that, that you have been taken from. And for us, it might also be, don't just pine for there, but also don't pine for and dream of where. Don't pine for there, but don't dream of where. Don't think about where is next and what is on the horizon, but root yourself here deeply. Because God says to them, I want you to build houses now, how this happened back in the day was they didn't take out a mortgage for a house. They didn't borrow money to build a house. Houses and finances happened vastly, vast, were vastly different then than it is now. To build a house meant you had to save money. So that as you saved that money, you would then pay for that part of the house that was going to be built at that time. So as they worked for two, three months, all of a sudden they had enough money to pour a foundation or to sweep a foundation. A couple of months later then they would have enough money to maybe put up the studs and the, the walls to a house. And a couple months later after that, a roof. It would take a process of time before they were able to build a house. Take your time, God is saying to them. Build houses. Build something. Build a life here. He continues on where he says, and settle down. Settle down. Live there. Root there. Plant gardens. Now, I don't know if you've ever planted a garden before, if you've ever taken the time to actually rake the ground and pull up the dirt left and right, but you have to plant a garden and eat what it produces, which is more time. You have to wait through the season. And if you'll notice, the word garden isn't singular. Plant gardens multiples, not just one garden for now, but another one for next year and the year after that and the year after that. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. In fact, it takes about five or six years before the fruit and the, the vegetables that you have planted in these gardens actually taste good, right? Like, take your time because as the nutrients from the soil begin to learn 
about the plants that are there, the vegetation that is growing there. It provides and it infuses more and more nutrients into the food. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry. Get married. I don't know. I don't know about you, but that takes a while. That takes a while, right? And not just getting married takes a while, not just the season of, of, of finding someone. Back then, it was more of a betrothal sort of thing. You, you bought your wife. A little different culture, a little different time, right? But marry and then have sons, plural, and daughters, plural. Years upon years upon years are building here as you root yourself deeply and then find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. Let them grow up 10, 15, 20, 30 years so that they too may have sons and daughters. Another 10, 20, 30 years and increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city for which I have carried you into exile. This whole idea that God is telling these people who are in a place that they did not want to be, in a place that they feared, in a place where they felt as if they were other and different, God is saying, root yourselves here. Build a life here. Develop relationships here, not there and not where. Develop and build and root here in this space. Simone Wheel continued in her book, The Need for Roots. She said, to be, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. It is one of the hardest to define. A human being has roots by virtue of his real, active, and natural participation in the life of a community, which preserves in living shape, in living shape, uh, which preserves in living shape certain particular treasures of the past and certain particular expectations of the future. That what we need as a people is to be rooted, that our soul longs for this, that we need this at the very being of our core, to be rooted in a place, to be in relationship with one another, to be in relationship with the world around us, to be in relationship with our neighborhood, to be in relationship with our city. Because deep within us, we were created to be a rooted people with one another in the place in which we live. Be here. Be here. Because rootedness is a call to presence. Rootedness is a call to presence. Be here, not there. Be here, not there. Rootedness is also a call to relationship. Be here and develop deep relationships with the people around you. Live into their lives and allow their lives to live into yours. Cross each other's paths regularly. Be in relationship 
And rootedness is also a call to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Rootedness is about where we live. It is about the things that are happening around us and caring for and loving the city in which we live well. Press in to the soil. Press in to the soil. See, I think Seattle does this sort of stuff really, really well. I think as a city, we do this really, really well. We press deep into a love for this city in a passive-aggressive sort of way. But <laughs> we do this really, really well. I think we also press really well into relationships. We value the one-on-one -on -one conversation more than the large gathering as a city. It's amazing to see the small groups of people all the time sitting around at coffee shops, having conversations, sitting around at lunch tables and dinner tables together quite frequently. It's so rare that you go into a restaurant and see a large group or a large table of people that are all together at once having dinner. And the reason why is not a bad reason. I think the reason why is because we press really well into one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one sorts of relationships. We find our people and we root deep into their lives. We root deep into what is at stake for them and what is at stake for us. And we connect in beautiful ways. But seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. I think uh, there's a lot to dislike about Seattle. I, I made the passive-aggressive snide comment earlier, and I think that's still really true. But I think that we also, there's a lot to dislike about this city. Public transit, for instance. I can't get anywhere on time. If I'm taking the bus, if I'm taking uh, the, the, the light rail, I can't get anywhere on time if I want to because it's always 15 minutes away. Always. You show up and you stand for the bus that was supposed to be here at that moment, and it's still 15 minutes away. The bus is always 15 minutes away. Uh, but also traffic. Traffic is a nightmare, especially when it rains. It rains here all the time. How on earth can people not get, figure out how to drive in the rain? Right? It's so bad. But not just that. Like, traffic is always backed up. And we live really close to Mercer. And oh my goodness, I never want to go anywhere at certain times of the day. In fact, there are times of the day that I can't even get into the parking lot of our apartment complex because the road is so backed up of people trying to get onto Highway 99 to go south. And I'm waiting 15, 20 minutes to get into my parking lot. Like, give me a break. There's so much to dislike about Seattle. I mean, there's, there's other stuff, too. Believe me, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on, right? But there's no difference between Seattle and somewhere else. Because no matter where you live, you'll always find the things that you hate about that place, right? When we lived in San Francisco... Same sorts of arguments. Traffic is so bad. It's so awful. The hills are terrible. I used to ride a little 50cc scooter to get home. Now, now, if you know anything about scooters, they're really, really not very powerful. But we lived at the top of a hill that was four blocks of like straight up. And I'm sitting here riding this little scooter trying to get up the hill and be like, 
and it's not going anywhere, right? It's like, it's like I could have pedaled a bike faster to get up that hill. But then traffic would stop and back up, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, great. I'm just stopped parallel to the ground looking straight up at the sky, and now this bike isn't going to go anywhere. So I'd put both legs out, and I'd be like, I'd be walking the thing to get enough speed so that I could crank it and get it to go just a mile an hour up the hill, right? Traffic was always bad. The bus was always nine minutes away in San Francisco, right? So it's worse here, but still nine minutes away. There was always something to dislike about the city. When we lived in Springfield, traffic was terrible. Everywhere you live, traffic is bad, unless you live in the country, and nobody wants to live in the country. Anyhow, traffic is always bad, no matter where you are, right? Like, every, there's always a problem wherever you live. The cost of housing here in Seattle is ridiculous. But when we lived in San Francisco, it was also ridiculous. We couldn't believe how cheap a house was in Springfield, but also how expensive it was compared to everything else, right? Like, you're always going to find something to complain about, something that is terrible, that is awful, that is no good and downright horrible about the city in which you live and the place in which you live. No matter where you live, you will find something wrong with it. And these exiled people, these exiled Israelites, these exiled Hebrew people surely had the same issue, right? Surely they, are, they have been pulled and ripped their roots out and sent to another city to live that is not their home. And you better believe they found issue with where they lived. And yet God told them, root here, build houses here, marry and find wives for your children, have sons and daughters, do it all and root here, in this place, in this space, in this time. And he told them to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. You see, the point isn't, what is wrong with where we are? The point is, how can we, A, root here and make those things better? How can we make a better place where we live and where we are now? How can we root deep in the city and develop relationships with people that go beyond, oh, we've known each other for two years. We've known each other for three years. But we've known each other since... We moved here 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Our kids grew up together here in this place. How can we develop a place where we are not transient, where we are not, where we are not subject to the two to four year cycle of an economic principle based upon a company? How can we live differently in this place than everyone else around us? Because that is the point. The point is deep, physical, true relationship with one another that goes deeper than anything else. That we are cultivating an inner life of authenticity, trust, and love, and respect for everyone that is around us. That we would root deeply here in this place, root deeply here, in this city. I'm tired of moving. I'm tired of it. I, 
what, 14 addresses in 18 years? That's ridiculous. Man, that's stupid. That makes no sense whatsoever. Well, one, it's, one, it's stupid. But two, it's really expensive. It's really expensive to move that much, to rent a U-Haul or a moving company every few years to move or every few months to move. It's just exhausting. I'm tired of moving. But not just am I tired of moving, I'm tired of watching relationships thin as we move on to other places. I'm tired of investing in people's lives and then saying like, hey, see you later. And not allowing the fullness of those relationships to deepen where we are. I'm tired of trying to make a difference in a city and in a place and then just saying, yeah, it was great while we knew you washing our hands and moving on. That's not what God calls us to do. In fact, I believe that what Simone Weil is talking about is that that is the most damaging thing for our souls. This consistent and, and perpetual transience that we experience as a people damages our souls because we see relationships in terms of a time frame as we wash our hands and move on. That's not what God desires for us. That's not what God has called for us to be and experience and live into. He wants us to live deep in relationship with one another and to be present in those spaces, present in those places, constantly and continually. That is the life that he desires for us, is to be rooted deeply with one another. We have a cultivate guide that we're walking through this series every single day, except for Sundays, because you come here. Every single day, we're looking at something different as a way of a meditation. Or a, 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 we, we did Lectio Divina throughout the course of the week. We've done a Visio Divina. If you don't know what that is, go to, go to cultivate or unitedchurch.today. That's the web address, unitedchurch.today. And every single day, a new, at 6 a.m., a new meditation, a new way of thinking and viewing and seeing the inner work that is at play within us goes live. And it's an opportunity for us to dig deep together into what this spiritual formation looks like for us as a people. And so every single day, just go to unitedchurch.today and visit that, walk through that meditation. They're usually about five minutes long. They're not super long but it's something that we can carry with us throughout the day. Find that space, find that time for you that works really well to dig into this space, to see yourself cultivated in these ways. And this week, the focus of the Cultivate Guide is on what it means for us to be rooted as a people, how we can meditate on those things and those ideas and root deeply as a people in this city together with one another, in this church together with one another. I think we're doing a really good job of that. We're a little over a year old as a church, and I think we're doing a really good job of that. I've asked a few people uh, what they think the special sauce of our church is. And the, the response has always been authenticity. Authenticity is the special sauce of our church. And as I think about that, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome because that shows some rootedness beginning to take place. Because we're getting into each other's lives, living life together, moving forward together in this space. I want to challenge us to continue, to continue to root deeply with one another, to root deeply in this neighborhood, to root deeply with our neighbors, to root deeply with 
the city around us and to change the mode of transience that goes around in our generation and the generations that have been and will be, to change that mode of transience and see a better and fuller understanding of the soul here at work and at play in us. Let's pray. God, thank you for what it is that you do and how you continue to challenge us against some of the wishes and maybe desires that we have as a people. And God, sometimes those wishes and desires aren't the most healthy for us. And so, Father, as you challenge us with your word to go against that grain, to go against the grain of what we see taking place, Father, we ask and we pray that we would heed your word, that we would listen well, and that we would be a people that root deeply. Father, it's in your son's name that we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.